Greetings and salutations, sports fans nationwide. You have entered the Sports Opinion Log Podcast. I'm your host, People Sportscaster Lex Anderson. Better late than never. I was supposed to get this week eight recap out before the Thursday night game, so I will remove myself from picking the winner of the Thursday night football game, which clearly was the Philadelphia Eagles over the Houston Texans 29-17 final score. Uh, the Houston Texans did break out some beautiful red helmets, but it was to no avail. Jalen Hurts, 243 yards and two touchdowns, and it is the first 8-0 and start in franchise history for the Philadelphia Eagles, who continue to just win. And A.J. Brown continues to dominate, four catches, 59 yards, one touchdown, Go dirt, eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And that's all I really have. Um, It's the Houston Texans, for goodness sake. Like, we weren't going to expect anything world-beating. But those snazzy red helmets are cool. And there were a lot of big-time trades for the NFL, but we will get to that at the end of the recap. So we're going to start, of course, with the Monday night game being... The Cleveland Browns beating the Cincinnati Bengals 32-13 final score. Jamar Chase out with an injury. Joe Burrow now falls to 0-4 against the Cleveland Browns. He got sacked five times. And the Browns in the four-game losing streak awaiting the return of controversial quarterback Deshaun Watson, who will be returning after his 11-game suspension. Cleveland has now won five straight over the Cincinnati Bengals. Jacoby Brissett ran for a touchdown, passed for another. And, you know, it's really maddening with the Browns. I'm not going to say that I like them, but they have enough talent on paper where you thought they would have had a better season than being 3-5. and five. Nick Chubb, 23 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, 11 carries, 42 yards. Amari Cooper, still can't believe the Cowboys let him go. Five catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. And on the Joe Burrow side, 25 of 35, 232 yards, two TDs, one INT. The ground game was definitely missing. Joe Mixon, eight carries, 27 yards. That just won't get the job done. But you would have thought that the Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers would have stepped up in the absence of Jamar Chase. T. Higgins, three catches, 49 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, you're going to need a lot more. And now suddenly you have to wonder the Bengals at 4-4. Four and four. Well, we already know that statistically the Bengals will not be going back to the Super Bowl. Teams that lose the Super Bowl tend to not go back. Think Seattle Seahawks, for example, back when Russell Wilson was playing with them, which he isn't any longer. <laughs> Sunday night football, we had the Buffalo Bills stomping on the Green Bay Packers and discount double dud, Aaron Rodgers. 
Packers suffered their fourth straight loss. Final score on this one, 27-17. There was a little bit of beef between Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs and Packers cornerback Jay Alexander in the tunnel and after pregame warm-ups. But clearly, Stephon Diggs, who is a real man, comes to play. He doesn't shrink from the bright lights in the national stage. Six catches, 108 yards, and one touchdown. Josh Allen, only 13 of 25, 218 yards, two TDs, and two INTs. But the Buffalo Bills defense definitely held it down. Aaron Rodgers, 19 of 30, 203 yards, two touchdowns, one INT. And the sad part is that the Packers did better with the rushing. I had said before that their lack of rushing is the reason why they were in this predicament in the first place. But Aaron Jones, 20 carries, 143 yards. A. Dillon, 10 carries, 54 yards. Aaron Rodgers himself, one carry, 11 yards, 208 rushing yards total. Compared to the Bills with 153. Oh my goodness. Devin Singletary. Only 14 carries for 67 yards. But they got cooked. Because Stephon Diggs is that man. As for the Packers. There's really nothing to talk about. I, the Prophet, had decreed it. When Aaron Rodgers had quit on the Packers when they lost in the playoffs to the Niners. But the Packers just continued to give him more money for what? You give him all the money, but you have no team. And then people want to get on the Packers for not signing a wide receiver. It is truly one of the oddest quarterback with a team issue I've ever seen. That I've ever seen. It makes no sense whatsoever. You give Aaron money, you give Aaron Rodgers all the money in the world, but yet you don't even try to put a decent team around him. But Aaron Rodgers gets what he deserves for calling out his teammates. He's surly, he's sarcastic, he's selfish. To my knowledge, he's probably still not vaccinated. All people talk about how is how he's a three-time defending NFC North champion. But the four-game losing streak is the second longest under Aaron Rodgers and the team's worst since 2016. Last time they had been 3-5, 2006, Brett Favre's second-to-last season. Ugh, Brett Favre. I could definitely do it without mentioning his name. Ridiculous. How And also, the loss ended Aaron Rodgers' streak of 13 straight wins in primetime games. Longest in the NFL since 1970. And let's stick with the reality. The Packers fall to 0-7 in road games against the Bills. They just can't win. (laughs) Oh, so hilarious. But yeah, the Packers get what they deserve. So I'm enjoying the fallout, to be honest with you. I cannot tell a lie. Speaking of telling lies... Which I don't do here, being a people's sportscaster, I will give you the reality of a situation. And the reality is, I said that Matthew Stafford and his shoulder, elbow, injury that he's trying to play through this season 
would lead to a lackluster performance, a subpar performance this season, and that the Rams would not be going back to, let alone winning the Super Bowl, and the San Francisco 49ers acquiring Christian McCaffrey are putting the NFL on notice because McCaffrey threw for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and rushed for a touchdown as the San Francisco 49ers crush, decimate, dominate, and destroy the LA Rams. Final score, 31-14. Christian McCaffrey became the 11th player in NFL history with that kind of game. Rushing touchdown, passing touchdown, and receiving touchdown. Last time that happened, LaDamian Tomlinson back in 2005. And only four players have done it since 1970. Jimmy G, 235 yards and two touchdowns. The Niners have now won eight consecutive regular season games over the Niners. And Debo Samuel wasn't even playing. Scary insight to the future. And even scarier, the Rams got shut out in the second half. Slowly but surely, this season is becoming undone. I'm going to skip real quick to uh, the international game. I had predicted that the Jaguars would have won, but they lost to the Denver Broncos. 21-17 final score. Trevor Lawrence, number one draft pick, overrated. I'm just going to call it like I see it. At first, I was with the Urban Meyer is holding him back. Trevor Lawrence is just a terrible quarterback. Russell Wilson, however, 18 of 30, 252 yards, touchdown and interception. And this was honestly a terrible game. It was a terrible game because the offenses for both teams were terrible. They would wait for one another to score and then they would respond with a score. That's how the game honestly was. The Jaguars have now lost their fifth straight game. Travis Etienne, his game was wasted. 24 carries, 156 yards and a touchdown. He scored on a one-yard play to give Jacksonville a 17-14 lead with three minutes and 40 and 54 seconds left to play, but they couldn't hold on to it. Couldn't hold on to it. Trevor Lawrence, 18 of 31, 133 yards, two INTs, and a touchdown. He claims he's got to look into the mirror and he's got to play better. What a disappointment. And Russell Wilson... Who had been, who had missed the previous game due to a strained hamstring? You think the Jaguars' defense would have tried to get to him and make him run? But no, that was not the case. And how about the Broncos? Ten penalties for seventy-one yards, and you can't capitalize that on that on offense. What a waste of a season. Jacksonville two and six. Denver Broncos 3-5. and Uh, So that is the finale in the UK series. Next up for the NFL, we'll be going to Munich, Germany. I can't wait to see what the vibe is looking like on that. Now I'm going to just 
flip over real quick to the Thursday to last Thursday night game, Baltimore Ravens beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-22. Tom Brady's personal and professional life continues to fall apart. Personal, his wife Giselle had filed for divorce, which he said he will gladly accept. And then later on he lost <laughs> at home to Lamar Jackson who threw for 238 yards and two touchdowns in the second half. Tom Brady now has a three-game losing streak for the first time since 2002. And this is well-deserved. Tom Brady should have stayed retired. The Bucks have now lost for the fifth time in six games following their 2-0 start, which doesn't mean much when there's 17 games in the NFL season. Julio Jones is pretty much a non-factor. Like I've tweeted about, you can follow me on Twitter at LexAnderson underscore WS. You can also follow me on TikTok at Sports Opinion Log and on YouTube, Sports Opinion Log. I got some shorts out there for y'all to check out. And the issue is, is that people live in the past with sports fans. This isn't Julio Jones in his prime when he played with the Atlanta Falcons. This is... Injury-prone, washed-up, old Julio Jones. Two catches, 21 yards, one garbage-time touchdown. Mike Evans, however, six catches, 123 yards, zero touchdowns. Godwin, six catches, 75 yards, zero touchdowns. Fournette, nine carries, 24 yards. Buccaneers only had 44 total rushing yards. That's not going to win you games. It feels like LeBron, (laughs) oh, sorry, I'm trying to segue. It feels like Tom Brady, you know, with this LeBron-like thing of going to a team and trying to sign aging veterans to be around, it's falling apart. It's not working. But I'm sure Tom Brady, Tom Terrific, he'll ride it out and hopefully he will retire after this season. Go to your $300 million plus TV deal. It's time to call it quits. But sadly, with most athletes, they never know when to call it quits. Rare is the athlete that chooses to go out on top. They hang around and hang around. And you see the skills start to erode, start to fade, falter time, injuries. It's never pretty. But speaking of Julio Jones and being washed up, let's segue to the rest of the uh, Sunday games. And I'm going to start with the Washington Commanders beating the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Ryan was accepted, right? The Colts brought him in. Didn't work out. He's been benched potentially for the rest of the season and trade for Sam Ellinger. And this was a nail-biter. Final score, 17-16. My boy Taylor Heineke came through. 279 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Ruining the pro debut of Sam Ellinger. But you know what? A win is a win, and I'll take it. And I'll also segue by going to the New England Patriots beating the New York Jets 22-17 as the New England Patriots have beaten the Jets 
for the 13th straight game. The Jets are frauds. I actually had picked for them to win. Silly me. Why would I think that the Jets could turn it around? The Jets are the Jets. Why should I have expected anything less from them? Zach Wilson, 20 of 41, 355 yards, two TDs, but three INTs. That is not game-winning football. I think we have something historic here. Hold on here. Belichick, Bill Belichick now only trails Don Shula. The victory was Belichick's 100th in the regular season against AFC East opponents. Historic win. The Jets are so annoying. With a chance to prove that things are different. That they could turn things around. They fall flat on their face. Again, losing for the 13th straight time. And mind you, Tom Brady's not there. The Jets have run out of excuses. And you know who else has run out of excuses? Derek Carr. New Orleans Saints shutting them out 24-0. Alvin Kamara, three touchdowns on the day. Derek Carr, 15 of 26, 101 yards, one INT. Getting outdone by Andy Dalton, 22 of 30, 229 yards with two TDs. And again, Alvin Kamara showing that he's still got some pep in his step. 18 carries, 62 yards, one touchdown. And then receiving nine catches, 96 yards, two touchdowns. And thanks for the loss. Like, Derek Carr always talks about the disrespect that he's been shown by the media. Devontae Adams, one catch, three yards. Renfro, one catch, six yards. This makes no sense. The Ra- the Las Vegas Raiders are a mad... Well, it's two and five, so thankfully their season's over. I'm sure they'll do a usual towards the end of the season run, and hopefully it'll go nowhere because just leave the Las Vegas Raiders and their billion-dollar stadium where they lie. And speaking of lie, Which one do I even want to pick? Well, I'll go with the Steelers losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. 35-13, final score. A.J. Brown, three touchdowns in the first half. I really don't have much to say about this because, like I've said, these are the growing pains that the Steelers have to go through when you don't build for the future. Kenny Pickett, 25 of 38, 191 yards, and an interception. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts, who the Steelers should have drafted, 19 of 28, 285 yards, and not one, two, three. Yeah, try four touchdowns on a day in that game. It's ridiculous. But you know what's not ridiculous? Dak Prescott returning back at the helm of the Dallas Cowboys, and once again, the 40-plus point games are back as they uh, crush, dance over the Chicago Bears' final score, 49-29, and the highlight or low light, 
depending on where you stand, is that Makah Parsons had an interception and Justin Fields, who could have simply touched him or fallen on him, chooses to jump over him. He gets up and takes it back to the end zone. Pick six. Dak Prescott threw for two touchdowns and ran for another. Tony Pollard, 131 yards rushing, career best three touchdowns. In the absence of Ezekiel Elliott, out with a right knee injury. As far as I'm concerned, there should always be a dual running back threat in the NFL. You cannot go wrong with that. People try to make a fake running back controversy. There is none. Ezekiel Elliott, ever since he's put pen to paper to sign that $90 million contract, has regressed with the Dallas Cowboys. And here's something a little historic. The Cowboys are now 6-2. and two. They scored touchdowns on their first four possessions for the first time since 2014. Of course, you have to keep Ezekiel Elliott, though, because that is Dak Prescott's best friend. They're buddies. You can't send him away. Dak Prescott, by the way, 21 of 27, 250 yards. Again, the aforementioned touchdowns. And this is only his second game back after he had missed the previous five with that fractured right thumb. The Cowboys needed this. They definitely needed this. They better bounce Green Bay, though. I mean, like, well, that's the next game. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. And speaking of getting too far ahead of myself... I thought the Giants could beat the Seahawks, but Geno Smith to the rescue. Seahawks beat the Giants 27-13. Thanks in part to number 80. Let me find out this young man's name. I'm looking for you. Hold on. Richie James fumbled two punts. Amazingly, he was out with a concussion after the second fumble. He put the ball on the ground twice, which allowed the Seahawks to capitalize, leading to the victory. However, on the historic side, Geno Smith becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to get back-to-back wins against the two previous teams that he played on. Tip of the cap to Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks, who are very much at 5-3, and three, looking like real contenders for now. And speaking of contenders, we had the Atlanta Falcons going into overtime. They get the victory over the Carolina Panthers, 37-24 final score. And sadly, well, again, I went for the Falcons, so this was definitely a nail-biter. However, the Falcons won because of boneheaded plays. Young man by the name of Moore hauled in a 62-yard scoring pass with 12 seconds remaining that tied the game at 34. All they needed was the extra point to win it. But celebrating in the end zone, he takes off his helmet. 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty. So the extra point 
was pushed back to the 48-yard, and Pinero pulled it left. But the Panthers did have a chance to win in overtime after C.J. Henderson took an INT 54 yards to the Falcons, 20. But Pinero, again, botched another wobbly kick left. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> so terrible. Marcus Mariota, three touchdown passes on the day. Good for him. I'm just glad that the Falcons got the win. Mariota, 20 of 28 for 253 yards and a pair of interceptions. But he did just enough to win. And that's all that matters in the NFL. You got to just get that win. And getting wins, well, that's something that the Detroit Lions didn't do. Double-digit lead against the Miami Dolphins, who came back for the 31-27 final score victory. Two is back. The Dolphins are winning. There's talk of Super Bowls now. Well-deserved, of course. Miami's 5-3. Tua, 29-36, of 36, 382 yards with three touchdowns. Jared Goff continuing to show why he's in Detroit. 27 of 37, 321 yards with only one touchdown. No lead is safe in the NFL. You've got to continue to play. However, let's talk about the history here with Tua and his receivers. Tyreek Hill, 12 catches, 188 yards. Jalen Waddell, 8 catches for 106 yards and 2 touchdowns. They have 1,688 yards receiving combined, setting a Super Bowl era record for two teammates through the first eight games of a season. Very impressive. Tyreek Hill had more than 160 yards receiving for the fourth game, one short of the NFL record set by Roy Green, with the St. Louis Cardinals way back in 1984. As for the Lions, they have now lost five in a row. <laughs> All I can do is laugh. Like, uh, Detroit Lions just win the Thanksgiving Day game. Please, please, for the fans, that's all I ask. That's all they need to do. Uh, just terrible. For the Lions. But I was going for the Dolphins, so I'm happy. And speaking of terrible, Minnesota Vikings over the Arizona Cardinals. 34-26 final score. Vikings have now won five in a row. They're at 6-1. and one. There's talk that the Vikings have arrived. And to that, I will say nay. Because Kirk Cousins, with his below 500 record in primetime games, let alone playoff games... Calm down. Yes, Kirk Cousins passed for two touchdowns, ran for another. They're unbeaten at home. Dalvin Cook, season high, 111 yards and a touchdown. That's great. Kyler Murray, though, 326 yards, season high, three touchdowns, including a beautiful one-handed grab by DeAndre Hopkins. But he threw two second-half INTs. Cardinals at 3-5. and five. Kyler Murray, like I said, didn't deserve the money. He's a waste of money. But let's give it up for D-Hop. 12 catches, 159 yards, 
in his second game back from his suspension. But again, here in the Sports Opinion Log, I'm about wins and losses. I'm not going to harp on a team that loses. Kind of like Deion Sanders when he was on NFL Network. He had that street 21st and prime. And the only way you could make his highlight reels is if you won the games. There's no need to focus when a team loses a game. So, yes, that is it for my NFL Week 8 recap. Just thumbing through it real quick, making sure that I leave no stone unturned. Every game has been called. So, of course, uh, I did not make this podcast episode in time for the Thursday night game, even though I did have the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Houston Texans, which I did make that prediction on... The podcast that I'm on with Prakash, thank you for the invitation on that, which is on the radio, on the block. Hold on here. I think I actually have a photo save. Let me, uh, I will have the YouTube link, which I will probably learn to share, which is what I need to do. But before I get into the Week 9 recaps, there were a lot of big-time deals. Well, number one, I'll just talk about the Steelers finally getting rid of Chase Claypool. Well-deserved. He's with the Bears. Maybe him and Justin Fields could have some chemistry. Saints wide receiver Thomas. Michael Thomas, injured reserve, needs toe surgery. The Dolphins acquire... Outside linebacker Bradley Chubb and have extended him already through the 2027 season. Five-year extension worth $110 million. Very impressive. So he is now tied with the Dolphins at least for the next six years. The Broncos traded Chubb to the Dolphins on Tuesday for a 2023 first-round pick. That Miami acquired from the Niners last year. The Dolphins also sent running back Chase Edmonds and a 2024 fourth round pick to Denver for a 2025 fifth round selection. So the Dolphins are really trying to win now. I respect that. That's all anyone wants their team to do. Give them a chance to win. Which is good because the Dolphins have been terrible for so long. Now's the chance to win. And let's see what else we have. We also had some other big names. Let's see what's going on. Chiefs trade quarterback Fenton to the Falcons. Colts trade running back Hines to Bills for running back Zach Moss. Eh, we'll see. That was like the only big time. Tra- oh, well, Falcons trade wide receiver Calvin Ridley to Jaguars. We'll see. Again, Trevor Lawrence. Don't really believe in him. Calvin Ridley. He stepped away from football to address his mental health. So who knows? I mean, <laughs> there's no guarantee that he can even be reinstated. So I don't know. 
Where are we going with this? I don't know. Yes, Claypool to the Bears already mentioned. Oh, yes. Lions trade tight in Hawkinson to Vikings. That's good. At least they're giving him a chance to win. Let's see, though. Let's see. Like, Kirk Cousins, I don't buy, I don't have to buy regular season hype. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I've never been that person. I need to see what you're going to do when the bright lights of the playoffs is upon you. Will you shine? And Kirk Cousins, based on his body of work, is not that guy. So, on to the week nine predictions. Give me one second here. I prefer to go to NFL.com. That way I get all my games lined up. Not in the order in which it'll be played, but in the time zone, in the proper time slots. Make sure to separate the one o'clock games from the four o'clock games from the primetime games. Show me what you got. Okay, here we go. NFL Week 9 predictions as decreed by the Prophet, starting with the 1 o'clock games. Chargers at Falcons. I believe the Chargers are dealing with a lot of injuries, especially at the wide receiver position. You know what? I'm going to start doing the records. Hold on here. Chargers 4-3 and three at the Falcons 4-4. Four and four. Falcons are dangerous at home. I'm going to go with the uh, Falcons on this one. Dolphins 5-3 and three, taking on the Bears 3-5. Give me Miami. 2-6 Panthers taking on the 4-4 four four Bengals. I'll still take the Bengals. Packers 3-5 taking on the Lions 1-6. Give me the Packers. As bad as Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have been. Aaron Rodgers, the supremacy he had over the NFC is falling to the wayside. But I believe he will be damned if he loses to the Detroit Lions. Oh, good Lord. Props to anyone who bets. 2-5 Raiders taking on 2-6 Jaguars. <laughs> Jaguars are tough at home. The Raiders have given me nothing to believe in anymore. I'm going to go with the Jaguars. I shouldn't, but I will. Colts, 3-4-1, taking on the Patriots. 4-4. Four four. Look for the Patriots to beat the Colts. Bills, 6-1 at Jets, 5-3. Bills. Vikings, 6-1, taking on the Commanders, 4-4. Four four. Vikings. Battle of the Birds. Seahawks 5-3, taking on the Cardinals 3-5. Give me the Seahawks on this one, so that way I could talk more about how Kyler Murray is a waste of being given elite quarterback money. Because Kyler Murray is not an elite quarterback. See, it goes hand in hand. Rams 3-4 at Buccaneers 3-5. This will be the make or break game for both teams. Cooper Cup, though, ankle injury probably will not be playing, so I will go with the Buccaneers on this one. But either way, it'll be a win-win, because whoever loses, I'm going to bash them. 
Titans 5-2 taking on the Chiefs in Kansas City. Both teams 5-2. Give me the Chiefs. Oh my goodness. I skipped over the time frames. Sorry, quick retraction. Seahawks and Cardinals is the 405 game. Rams at Buccaneers is the 425 game. I guess that would be America's game of the week. And Sunday night football, excuse me, Titans and Chiefs, who are both 5 and 2. Give me the Chiefs. And Monday nighter, we have the Ravens 5 and 3 at Saints 3 and 5 in New Orleans. Give me the Saints. Those are my picks. Thank you, sports fans. Nation and worldwide for tuning in. Until next time, Lex Anderson, signing out. Greetings and salutations, sports fans nationwide. You have entered the Sports Opinion Log podcast. I'm your host, People Sportscaster Lex Anderson, and I am here to talk about Kyrie Irving and why I feel that he has potentially played his last season in the NBA, and I am going to explain to you why. This is simply history repeating itself. A lot of people don't remember a lot of youngins. So think of this as a history lesson. I like to call myself the sports historian. For those that don't remember, because it is 2022, I am a man of age. And a lot of people don't remember the early NBAs, in particular, the 1990s. And nearly 26 years ago, in 1996... The NBA had suspended Mamou Abdul Raouf for refusing to stand for the national anthem. At the time, he was fined $32,000 for the single game that he missed. But what makes it interesting is that that was back then. Here we are in 2022. In 2021, Kyrie Irving chose not to get vaccinated. He missed all of the Brooklyn Nets home games, which would be 41 games. And each game he missed, he lost $450,000. Number one, just to show you the economics of how far the game has come in terms of star players or superstar athletes getting paid. So do you have me believe that him being suspended for five straight games means anything the man lost millions last season and pretty much didn't care because he stood on his own beliefs contrary to andrew wiggins who said that he would not get vaccinated steph curry had something to say draymond green had something to say the reporters had something to say next thing you know andrew wiggins gets vaccinated he gets the shot He goes on to become an NBA champion, only to later that same week retract and say he wishes he never got vaccinated. But Andrew Wiggins is a fraud. Kyrie Irving continues to stand up for his belief no matter what. Now, the tie-in with Mamou Abdul-Raouf is that when he didn't stand for the national anthem, Because of his Muslim beliefs, it was a reporter who noticed that during the anthem that he was lying down behind the bench. So now we're going to tie into Kyrie Irving, who was questioned by a Nets beat reporter who saw that he had posted on his Twitter account with 4.5 million followers 
a movie on Amazon called Hebrews to Negroes. That's on Amazon Prime that you can buy or rent. And immediately, that started the vilification of Kyrie Irving, who lives and leads by his Muslim faith. So, back to 1996. Now, if you do not know, Mamou Abdul Raouf, well, he was a top-tier player. He had graced the cover of Sports Illustrated. He played for LSU, teammates with Shaquille O'Neal. But then you had the public bashing him, including Chicago Bulls coach Phil Jackson, which was crazy, but that's how it works. You have other people minding your business. A little history about Mamou Abdul Raouf. He was selected by the Denver Nuggets with the third overall pick in the 1990 NBA draft. He averaged 14 points in his rookie year, around 10 in his second, but just under 20 in his third season. He earned 1992-93 Most Improved Player Award. He led the league in free throw percentage numerous times and at one point dropped 51 points in a single game against the Utah Jazz. But after this thing about him not standing for the anthem, well, they started to cut his minutes. He was then traded to Sacramento. And back in the days, back in the 90s, the Sacramento Kings was the wasteland for NBA players, either with uh, highly priced contracts that were about to expire or problem players. See, a lot of you may remember the Sacramento Kings from C. Webb and White Chocolate, Peja Stojakovic, Vladi Divac, almost uprising against the Lakers, which wasn't to be. But back in the 90s, again, the Sacramento Kings, that place was a wasteland where you just sent problem players to where they would never be heard from again. And that is what happened to Abdul Raouf. Even though he claims that he still has a good relationship with some of his former teammates, but you don't really hear about him being mentioned by the NBA. And back in those days, David Stern, master David Stern, was quite the taskmaster when it came to protecting the league. Something that Adam Silver is kind of lax in. You know, he's more open-minded. Um, Abdul Raouf, in 1991, he had converted to Islam and he had changed his name officially in 1993 after reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. Abdul Raouf even says, I'm a Muslim first and a Muslim last. My duty is to my creator, not to nationalistic ideology. Well, this sounds like Kyrie Irving to me. This sounds like history repeating itself to me. But the thing is, is that as the nation and radio DJs were raking Abdul Raouf over hot calls, eventually he did stand. But when he stood, he had his head down, hands clasped in front of his face, and he would recite his Muslim prayers. 
but that was still not enough back then for the machine known as media propaganda, which will always set out with the intent to destroy the black man. Because even now on social media, everybody's talking about, well, what about Brett Favre? And to that I say to you, what about Brett Favre? The media is controlled by, the, by Master, by Mr. Charlie. There is no African-American or black stronghold for us, black people, black folks, people of color, to voice our opinion. Diddy has a network. Oprah has a network. Who cares? Tyler Perry has his own Hollywood studio. Who cares? Is it benefiting any of us? The answer is no. On social media, on Twitter, people are calling Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal coons. Well, duh, I've been saying that for years. There will always be puppets that will pander to master to vilify and tear down the black man just the way LeBron James, the excuse me, billionaire LeBron James doesn't stand with Kyrie. But I'm going to give LeBron a pass because Kyrie betrayed him by forcing his way out of Cleveland when they were both playing for the Cavaliers. And what did LeBron have to say? I believe that what Kyrie did caused some harm to a lot of people. If you are promoting or soliciting or saying harmful things to any community that harms people, then I don't respect it. I don't condone it. Let's be real here. LeBron is fake as fuck, okay? (laughs) Do we not remember a couple years ago when he was dumbing through a book of Malcolm X in front of his locker and they were asking him about what he found to be interesting and he couldn't even properly speak to a chapter or verse or paragraph in the book? Society as a whole is fake as fuck. Does Nike make their footwear and clothes here in America? Is Nike America strong? No. They make their clothes overseas. A pair of KD Dunks or Kyrie Irving shoes probably cost a quarter to make and they sell them for hundreds of mil- hundreds of dollars, excuse me. The hundreds of millions would be the NBA with their deal with China, which they had issues before the pandemic because the GM of the Houston Rockets wanted to say something in support of the people protesting in China and China wanted to put the ixnay on the NBA. So of course they had to remove the former Houston Rockets GM at the time. There is no clean money out here in the world. There is only dirty money, whether it be money laundering or ill-gotten gains through ill-gotten means. That is the way of the world, and that is facts. So Kyrie Irving gets this bullshit five-game suspension, but the suspension comes with stipulations. Because remember, it's supposed to be a minimum. A minimum. But now there's a laundry list of things he has to do. He has, oh, we have, here we go, six items. As if he's a high school or an elementary school child. See, this would be the breaking down of a strong black man. Black man. 
but we could say black men because there's a lot of black men that won't step forward and show their support with Kyrie. They would rather vilify him and his take, kind of like that other media clown, Chris Broussard. And let's be real, Kyrie only apologized after he was given his suspension on Instagram. He didn't make a video apologizing. He just made a post on his page. And when I had talked to some sports fans nationwide, I had said to them, if someone did you dirty or did you wrong and apologized via a post on Instagram, would that be as acceptable to you as a verbal apology or even a video apology? And they said the answer is no. So Kyrie has to apologize slash condemn the movie, donate $500,000, which of course the Jewish community did not accept. That's a shocker. Jewish community not accepting money. Wow. Sensitivity training, anti-Semitic training, meeting with ADL Jewish leaders. Again, the people that didn't want the half a million dollars and meeting with Joe Tsai to demonstrate understanding. But of course, Joe Tsai isn't clean either. Joe Tsai has given money to the cultural genocide of Muslims in China. What the fuck are we talking about here? The problem with staying woke and knowledgeable is that you cannot be fooled like the rest of the ignorant masses and the sheeple that bray like the mindless cattle that they are. Because this is a paradigm that everybody could take a different stance on. Just like, again, the NBA showing Mamou abdul Raouf the door for standing up for what he believes in. Again, history repeating itself. Even abdul Raouf had this beautiful quote, whether I go broke, whether they take my life, whatever it is, I stood on principles to me, that is worth more than wealth and fame. He said he would never change what he did. And that is why I applaud Kyrie Irving. Yes, on my social media pa- platforms, I bash Kyrie Irving. I call him the flaky Negro, the oddball from Duke, fake philosopher, flat earth theorist. But my tie-in is that I rep North Carolina. He played for Duke. And my bashings of him are for what he's done in the NBA. Betrayed the Cavaliers. Betrayed and quit on the Boston Celtics. Betrayed the Brooklyn Nets by not getting vaccinated. And now he shares a movie clip on his Twitter. And suddenly people are out to tear him down. They're questioning Durant, who's scared to answer any questions at the podium because Durant is a scorer. He's not a leader. If you need a leader, look to the king. Look to the chosen one, LeBron James, the billionaire. He will give you the answers that you seek to your questions. And he doesn't stand with Kyrie. Oh, my goodness. What a mess. What a mess. But is it truly a mess? I do know this much. Again, history is repeating itself. Kyrie Irving is playing on the last year of his contract. The Nets tried to move him to no avail. And now this. 
Now this. Clearly, Kyrie Irving didn't care about the millions that he lost last season when he didn't get vaccinated. I'm sure he's earned more than enough to move on. I've read that Nike supposedly has severed ties with him. As if Nike is clean of all of this. All these companies, none of them are clean. Everything has been gotten off of the backs of the black man and the black woman. And earmarked at higher prices for your consumer consumption. It is money that makes the world go round, they say. But of course, the money is evil inherently in terms of the use of human beings who aren't paid properly, given a fair wage for making the jerseys that the NBA players wear. You know, I went into the Yankee clubhouse to check out the price of an authentic Nike Yankees jersey. They want $300. Can someone tell Nike that they could fucking go to hell? I would never give $300 plus tax for a MLB authentic jersey, nor a NFL jersey. I would gladly pass because you're making it overseas it probably costs less than $5, and you want to charge me $300 plus tax? Get the fuck out of here with the bullshit. Just like the bullshit regarding Jeff Bezos, the billionaire owner of Amazon, in which you can buy or rent the movie for around $11, $12. And the one thing I know that when it comes to us as black folks, they say if you want to keep knowledge from us, put a price tag on it. Because we won't buy it. But we'll buy your cheaply made sneakers. We'll buy those garbage ass beats that LeBron wears that I once brought and didn't last three months. And I got to send it back to the manufacturer to get another garbage ass pair that lasts less than the three months than the original piece of garbage that I sent back in the first damn place. (laughs) You know... Us as black folks, we need to stop tearing one another down because at the, end of the, at the end of the day, the white man, white master, Mr. Charlie, he gives us bad service and we pay anyway. I used to have Sprint that was acquired by T-Mobile or Sprint acquired T-Mobile, some acquisition. And now people are saying that T-Mobile sucks. So where's the riot? Where's the boycotts? Where's the tearing down of these cellular providers, these Wi-Fi providers that give us crappy service and dead spots while engaging with bullshit commercials that'll have you believe 5G is the best in the nation. You can get service anywhere. But yet, when I watch horror movies and white people are in the forest, they have no damn service. As the maniac with a chainsaw is killing everybody in sight. It's all a falsity. It is all a joke. But the reality and the history remains the same. That an outspoken black man will always be torn down by the media establishment that is predominantly white. 
or whether you want to say predominantly Jewish. I'm sick of Jewish people acting like they're so offended by all these things, but yet the movie was there on Amazon to rent or buy. Where's the boycotting of Amazon? Let's stop using Amazon Prime. Let's support small businesses. The same propaganda bullshit goes round and round like a sickening merry-go-round. Or maybe even a Ferris wheel. A Ferris wheel would be nice because a Ferris wheel is round. It goes round and round. But unlike the merry-go-round, there are different vantages in which you can view from where you're sitting. And what's your view from where you're sitting? What do you see? And what do you say to what you see? And how, most importantly, does it make you feel? Lex Anderson signing out.